Welcome to Life Church today. We're so glad you are with us. And uh, I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. If you have your Bible and would turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen in a few moments when we get there. But 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I uh, want to just, um, this weekend, this is, we're ending our series on sticky notes. And sticky notes have been kind of a reminder of the things that we all know to do. We just, sometimes the pace of life and things happen and we forget them. And this weekend, what I want to talk to you about, you actually do this incredibly well as a church and individually. And, and so you can pat yourself on the back or give yourself a big hand or go out for ice cream afterwards today. But, but, but you do this really, really well, and it's called generosity. That's what we're going to talk about. It's, 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 uh, it's something that really happens here incredibly at Life Church. Um, it's expressed in so many different ways. You know, I just was thinking about this this week, and, and the, the dozens of people that go on mission trips that will take off vacation time, and that you will take your money, your hard-earned money, and that you'll go, and you'll invest a week or nine days or ten days of your life somewhere. Um, the, the, the hundreds of thousands of dollars that you will give every year uh, to missions, to projects and to people and the ministries that this side of eternity you probably won't meet or get to know. Um, Ryan tells me that we have around 800 volunteer hours a week at Life Church. Wow. Just, just people that are giving of their time and their talent and their treasure. And, uh, and just, you know, it, it just in any area, I mean, we're talking about bringing the tithe, man. You bring it. You just brought it. I mean, it just, it just you... You do that incredibly, incredibly well. Faithfulness in attendance. Faithfulness in serving other people. You know, there's a need in the congregation. It's just somebody else in the congregation steps up and says, hey, how can I help you? And that type of, of attitude, it's that spirit of generosity that you have. And so I just want to say this weekend's message is a little bit of a rehearser uh, for, for all of us. And, and, but you're what Paul would call the Macedonian church because you excel at this thing called generosity. And the reason why I want to talk about this this weekend, you may go, well, what's important? If we do this really well, shouldn't you talk to us about something that we don't do so well? Well, not necessarily. The, the why I want to talk about this weekend is that I don't want us to forget why we do what we do and the difference that what you do makes. Because I think it's easy sometimes, and I think it's somewhat predictable in churches, for the pastor to get up and to browbeat the congregation, so to speak, for lack of a better term, and just kind of rant and rave a little bit and, and spit and stomp and kind of do his thing or her thing or whatever their thing is, and then just kind of go on, and people go, wow, I, I, you know, I feel worse about myself. I guess I went to church, and so that's what I should, right? And, uh, and, and, but, but really, in, the, in all actuality, Scripture is, is full of examples, too, of where People are encouraged. We, the Bible calls us to encourage one another to do great works. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we see Paul doing this. He's writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And he's bragging on the church in Macedonia. And he talks about this, this spirit of generosity that this church has. Now what you have to understand is that Corinth, the church in Corinth was, was pretty established. The church in Corinth, they had it together. The church in Corinth would, would be much like a, a mega church today. The church in Macedonia, not so much. The church in Macedonia had some major struggles. The church in Macedonia wasn't the greatest place to do ministry as far as you weren't dealing with people that were up and over. You were dealing with people more that were down and out. Macedonia had a lot of struggles and trials and, and, and quite, quite frankly just was a very struggling work. But the vibrancy of the people and the spirit of the people... 
And the desire for God overrode anything that they were facing. And they just excelled in this thing called generosity. And Paul wants to speak to this church in Corinth and say, Hey, I just want to remind you. I just want to tell you. I I just want to brag on you about another church that does something really, really well. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 1, he says this. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of the very severe trial, their overflowing joy, their extreme poverty is welled up in rich generosity. Verse 3. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their own ability, entirely on their own, which meant no one asked them. Verse 4, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing this service uh, to the Lord's people. Now I want you to skip on down to verse number 7. He's speaking to the church in Corinth here. But since you excel in everything, you excel in faith, you excel in speech, you excel, excel in knowledge, you excel in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Verse 12, skip on down to verse 12. For if the willingness is there, this is the key to generosity, if the willingness is there, if the want to is there, if the desire is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. If the desire to be generous is there, if the desire to do something great is there, if the desire to want to, to, to wanna please God is there, if the desire to want to be generous is there, then the ability is there, not based on what you have, or what you don't have, but based upon your desire. Just a couple of observations. First of all, generosity is not an amount. It's not an amount. Generosity is, is, is so not about money. Generosity is an, it's, it's an attitude. It's, it's not about an amount. So I want you to get that right from the beginning. I know we're going to give you a special opportunity to do something that does not affect us here this side of eternity, but it affects missions globally, and we don't do these very often. Matter of fact, the last time we've done this was Thanksgiving weekend when we did a one day to feed the world offering. So I'm very, very particular about any second offerings that we take at Life Church. But it's not about money. It never has been. It never will be. It's about an attitude. It's about what verse 12 says, that if you desire, that's what it's about. It's not about what you have in your pocketbook. It's not about wishing and wanting and and if I had, and if I could, and if I, and if, and that, you know, it's about this desire to want to do something great for God. Secondly, uh, it tells us in verse 3 that generosity is an attitude, and then it's an action. But generosity is always an attitude first. The, generosity is just an, it's, it's an attitude before it's an action. I know people that are very, very, very wealthy and are very, very, very stingy. I know people that are very, very poor, but they're very, very generous, because generosity is not about an amount, it's an attitude. But that attitude it doesn't just stay resident in your heart, it comes out in your actions, it comes out in how you deal with people, it comes out in your compassion, it comes out in your kindness, it, can, it comes out in so many things. I mean, you know, it, we, we talk about it, I mean, it's, um, you know, that we, uh, in our time and our talent and our treasure that we give, but also in our touch, just touching people daily, just smiling at people, just being kind, just being warm, just being generous of spirit. Oh, no, you go right ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me get the door for you. Oh, no, you take that parking space. I, you know what? That's the last. You, you go ahead and have that. Hey, no, just that type of an attitude of just being generous of spirit, generous of touch. It, it's an attitude before it's an action. Generosity is a choice, not an accident. You don't just wind up one day and you're generous. 
Generosity isn't, hey, I might make a certain amount of money, so now I need to be generous. Or I'm at a certain level of life, I need to be generous. I think we think that sometimes. Generosity is something that's very strategic. Generosity is something that's very planned. Generosity is something that goes counter against your flesh and mine. Our flesh is all about us. I, me, and my. It's all about what I have. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I can do. I mean, come on, let's think about it, really. At the end of the day, we're, we're, we're not concerned about everybody else. I mean, we, it's just it's how we're wired. But generosity goes against that. And so generosity becomes something that's strategic. It's something that's intentional. It's something that I choose to do. It's, I don't just arrive there. I, I don't just arrive at the address on generosity lane. I don't arrive there on accident. Oh, I'm a generous person. I, I never knew that. It's because somewhere along the way you go, you know what? I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be stingy. I don't want to be greedy. I, I, I don't want to be viewed as some, some okage. I, I, I really want to, to be generous. I really want to be kind. I, I, I want to be thought of in that way. I, I want to do that. And so it, it's totally a, a choice. Generosity, verse 7, should, says, and that passage says it should be a goal of ours. Paul says, look, Corinth, man, you've excelled in faith. You excel in speech. You excel in this. You excel in that. I want to remind you one more thing. Excel in the grace of giving. Be generous. Just be generous. Let it be a goal. Sometimes we think, well, you know, just, just poor. And it's just, I just want a little cabin in the corner of glory. I think there's some old hymn about that or something. I, I just, I just, and, and no. It's not what Scripture teaches at all. The scripture teaches that we should have this huge heart, this generous heart, this big mindset. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about just my mentality. But it's something that's a goal of mine. You know, we, we plan for everything. We plan for vacation. We plan for retirement. We plan for a job. We, what's why we send our kids to college. Praise God, get them out of the basement. We plan to get them out, right? Some of you are not, you're lying tonight. I mean, you're just not even laughing at anything. I can't get anything out of you. And, but at the end of the day, here's the reality. Do you plan in giving? Do you, and I'm not just talking about our finances. I'm talking about planning in and, and, and man, my, my time, how I'm going to give, planning in my touch and how I'm going to give, planning in, in my talent and how I'm going to give, planning in everything that I do. It should be a goal. And, la- and the, the last thing that this passage talks about is that generos- generosity always asks the question, what can I do? How can I help? And then it does it. It sees a situation. It says, you know, what can I do? How can I help? And then it does something about it. Anybody and everybody can do something. Now, one thing I found about generosity, there's four types of givers. I'm going to give them to you real quick. Four types of givers. The first type of givers are what I call the nada givers. Those who give nothing. Zilch, nada, zero, big fat goose egg, nada. They don't, they don't give of their time. They don't give of their talent. They don't give of their, they're not generous in, in their attitudes. It's all about them. It's all about what they want. You know, that's, that's their thing. Uh, the second type of giver is what I call the auto givers. The auto givers. Those who give out of obligation. And these are hit and miss givers. These are people that if you really get into their heart, they're going to give. If you really push them in the corner, they're going to be nice to you. If you really, you know, they're going to be generous of spirit. They're just, that's, nah, but no, nah, it's obligation. The, the third type of giver, and this is probably most of us in this room, are what we call, what I call Ghana givers. These people are going to give. They're going to give of their time. They're going to give their talent. They're going to give their treasure. They're going to give their touch. They're going to give. They're, going to, they're committed out of obedience. They're going to give out of a committed obedience. God's word says I should give, so I'm going to give. God's word says I should be generous, I'm going to be generous. You know, this is something that I do, and so I'm going to allocate this amount. For, I'm going to bring the tithe, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to turn around. I'm going, to, I'm going to do something for missions. I'm going to do something with my time. I'm going to get involved in the ministry. I'm going to, I'm, 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 I'm going to give. And, and, and most people, most of us, that's where, that's where we are. 
And, and really we think, well, that's, that's great, man. Isn't that what we're all trying to accomplish? There's another level of, of giving that goes beyond the ought to give and the not to give and the gonna give. It's the wanna givers. Not the awana, but the wanna givers. These are people who get excited about giving. And I know you go, there are people out there like that? Yes, there are, and the Bible talks about it. And these are people that get excited about giving. This is a level that, quite frankly, that, that I think what Paul, this is what Paul's talking about, is to excel in this gift of giving. It's to excel in this grace of giving. It's to excel in this, in this mindset of generosity. Where life's not all about me, and I get that. Life's not all about what I can consume, and I get that. Life's not even about me living within my means, maybe even living below my means, so that I'm able to do something for someone else. And it may not even be through the vehicle of the local church. It could be because you see someone in need. You see a single mom that needs a car, and you give that single mom a car. It may be that you see someone who needs their snow, uh, their drive shoveled in the winter because they've, they've been impaired by an accident and they're unable to do that and they're having to pay somebody to come and plow the drive and you go, you know, man, I could do that for that person and be a blessing to them. Maybe it's that you see, you, see, you see some people that are going through a hard way and the kids are having to sit at home every afternoon and you go, you know what, they could come over to our house until, until, you know, until Steve and Sarah get home from work and, and then they can come pick them up because the amount of money that, as you know, daycare and child care is just crazy through the roof and, and that could be a blessing to them. It, it, it could be if I'm going to help someone connect with finding a job and I'm going to get some people in a room that could connect because I know some people that may be able to help this person or that person and I'm going to be generous in that. Maybe it's just an attitude when everybody else is just stoved up and all kind of surly and, and kind of just, uh, and that it's just, I'm going to choose not to allow the world's attitude to get in my spirit. I am going to smile. I'm going to say good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I, I'm going to, let's try that right now. Can we all smile on the count of three? Because some of you just, man, it's, are you in pain? I mean, it just looks rough right now. One, two, three, just smile. Just see, you look great. And so just, yeah, simply just doing that helps a lot. I mean, have you ever been around like, you know, people just get all, and, and, and it's whatever it is. It's, it's a choice that I'm going to, and I'm going to choose to do this. I'm going to get excited about this. I'm going to look for opportunities where I can give of myself, where I can help someone else, where I can, that I, I can be a blessing to somebody. That's, that's a level that Scripture says we should all, that's that, what Paul talks to the church in Corinth, that excelling at the grace of giving. So I want to just give you five reasons why I strive to be a want-to-giver and what Scripture talks about. We talk about this in Life Track. If you've been through Life Track, you go, hey, man, I've read this Life Track. If you, Life Track, again, we encourage you to get involved in Life Track. If you're here at Life Church, you're new to Life Church, you go, man, I want to get plugged in, I want to get involved, uh, sign up, be a part of Life Track. And this is something we talk about when we talk about giving in Life Track. Number one, I feel good about myself when I give. I know it sounds real basic, and that may sound very selfish, but it's really true. I feel good about myself as a human being when I give. When I help somebody else out, there's something that happens. Now, there's a, there's a supernatural thing that takes place. When an infinite God flows to a finite creature, creature to touch another finite creature, purpose is always created. That's how God operates. But the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, in the message translation, it says it like this. You'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering what the master said. You're far happier giving than getting. So don't, don't think I'm mean or bad or this is some, like, some ego, egotistical type of a thing. 
why, why do you feel better about yourself when you give? Well, first of all, you understand that you're blessed to be a blessing. That's what God himself did. And, and so you, you, you understand that. And when you do that, because you and I are made in the image and likeness of God, we are made to be givers. Well, where does it say that? John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave. See, every time you operate in generosity, you operate in the spirit and likeness of God. Every time you pull back, you operate in the spirit and likeness of, 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 of the darkness of this world. That's why so many people hate preachers talking about money or hate preachers talking about giving or hate, hate that in the church. Because the very, the very thing that the enemy of your soul and our soul wants us to do, whether it's our time, our talent, our treasure, our touch, he wants us to withhold, he wants us to pull back. And the spirit of the living God that raised Christ from the dead, that Paul says it now dwells in you, when you give of your time, when you give of your talent, when you give of your treasure, when you just give of yourself, there's a supernatural release and you are operating in the spirit and the likeness of God. That's the reason why you feel the way that that you do because you are the creation. He's the creator. It's the way it works. And the other reason why I feel good about myself when I give and I want to be one of those wanted givers and be excited about giving is I hate people who do a lot of talking and no action. And it differentiates me and it differentiates you from everybody else that says, I care about the world. Really? I care about people that are hurting. Really? I care about people that, are, that, that don't have. Really? I care about the homeless and the downtrodden. Really? I care about social injustice. Really? I care about sex trafficking. Really? I care about the needs of people. Really? Show me. Show, me, show it to me in your day planner. Show it to me in your pocketbook. Show it to me in, in, in the way you're leveraging your talent, your time, your treasure, your touch. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is that God instructs me to give. The second reason I want to be a wanna giver is because that's what God talks about doing. And, and so, you know, before I came into Christ and before I had a relationship with Jesus Christ, it was the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Anybody else, right? That's what it was all about. But when Jesus Christ came into my heart and came into my life, and I asked him to come into my heart and come into my life. And I'm telling you, if you've never done that, it's a powerful thing. When you surrender yourself before a holy God and you say, God, I don't have all the answers. I don't have everything, but I know that I'm lost and I know that you know the way home. I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe that you are that Savior. And I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, be my personal Lord and Savior. If you just simply ask that, however you want to say it, it doesn't matter. But the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, when you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, that you will be saved. When you do that, what happens is uh, you get a new heart. And old things, the Bible said, are passed away, and behold, all things become new. And that new heart, this is what the Bible says about that new heart. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. The Bible says, And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to your life, what happens is he gives you a new heart. And in giving you a new heart, when God gives you a new heart, he allows you to put all things in the right place, even the spirit of generosity that was not there. Because we are not naturally hardwired with that. I know some of us are prone because of our personality, but 90% of the planet, we're just, we're all about us. And when Jesus comes in, he takes that heart of stone that's all about me and he replaces it with a heart of flesh, which means I feel I have compassion. I'm moved. I, I, I respond to the leading of the Lord. I, I no longer about me, but it's about me not being, a, a being served, but about serving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, Each one of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. That's where giving all comes from. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The Bible instructs me, 
God instructs me to give. And so, so the Bible says that when I've got that new heart, in my heart there's going to be an attitude, there's going to be a change, and then I'm going to be able to decide. Let me say something to you. You should never give because you feel pressure. Of your time, your talent, your treasure. Or your touch. You should never feel because you feel like, well, somebody's arm twisting you. You should never feel because there is... You may give out of conviction. That's a completely different thing. You may give out of compassion. That's a completely different thing. You may give because God's moved you to do so. But that's why, that's why Paul told the church in Corinthians, don't, don't be moved by emotion. The church in Corinth was a highly emotional church. Don't be moved by your emotion. Don't make commitments by your emotion. Don't, don't just... just Think about what you're going to do. Process what you want to do. And then respond in any situation, in every situation. But remember, God always loves a cheerful giver. Someone who is excited about giving. About giving. I just said that like a true redneck, didn't I? About giving. So, so the deal is about giving. And so, so God instructs me to give. And because he instructs me to give, I, I want to be that type of a giver that's excited about that. The, the, the third reason is that God positions me for blessings. That giving positions me for God's blessings. That when I give, it positions me for blessings. You may not believe this, but, I, but the Bible preaches it. So just let me tell you what it says. Proverbs 11.25 says that a generous person will prosper. And whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. A giver will be given to. It, this right there. And, and, and you can give with expectation. I'm not talking about something that I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And I understand there are people that go, no, you can't. Well, Jesus said it here in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given unto you. I didn't write it. Don't get mad at me. Don't send me an email. Don't whatever. I'm just saying what it says. A good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. You know what that is, don't you? That's like when you're on a diet and it says you can only have a cup of ice cream and you pack that cup, you just pack it, right? You know what I'm talking about? That's pressed down, shaking together and letting it run over a little bit. It's a cup, amen, hallelujah. So all you skinny people didn't get that. And then it will be poured into your lap for with, for with the measure that you use, it'll be measured unto you. So however you give, that's how it's going to be given to you. However generous you are to other people, that's how it's going to be to you. If you're stingy to other people, guess what's going to happen? People are going to be stingy to you. And you hear somebody going all the time around going, the people are just stingy. Well, maybe because they're stingy. Hello? Just think about that. Just a thought. Not pointing fingers. And 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I'm going to say something, and I don't mean to offend anybody. And I even kind of asked some staff about this this week. And I hope I say this in the right way. But I have served God all my life. I was not raised in a minister's home. I was raised in, my, my dad was a board member of the church. We were, we were faithful members of the church. My dad taught me tithing from the, from, not from this side of the pulpit, but from the side that you're sitting on. And I saw my dad make sacrifices to tithe. But I'm telling you, in my entire life, God is my witness almost 40 years on this planet. I've never found myself in a situation where I didn't have enough money to pay my bills. I never found my situa myself in a situation where I felt like I was mistreated or God left me abandoned. I never found myself in a situation where I was in need and was unable to fulfill those needs. Now, I have found myself looking at a car going, wow, I'd like to drive that. I pulled up to some houses and go, wow, that'd be nice to live there. I've looked at some golf clubs and go, one day, maybe I can have a set of clubs like that. I've looked at things that I wanted, but I'm not talking about want, but I looked over my life and go, in my lifetime, I've never found myself in that situation. 
Some of you go, well, that's just because you're living the channel of life. No, 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 no. No, I, I, I was blessed with two godly parents, but we, we, I, didn't, I wasn't raised with any kind of money. I bought my car. It was a senior, I was a senior in Bible college before I could afford a car. I bought my first car. It was, a, it was an Oldsmobile, white, never forget it, red velour interior. Beautiful. Spoke wheels, remember those? I know you're jealous. I'm just telling you. But the reason why is because a long time ago, as a kid growing up in church, I settled in my heart, I'm going to put God first. And I'm going to tithe. And I'm going to trust Him. And whatever He asks me to do, I'm going to do it to the very best of my ability. I'm going to live life palms up. And Tammy, I married a girl who this exact same way. And we got married. We decided that we were going to bring the tithe. That tithing was not going to be a ceiling issue. It was going to be a floor issue for us. This is a base level. So this isn't the height. This is where we began. We have, we have great aspirations to want to be able to inverse that, that tithing principle. And then we're going to do that. I'll never forget as a youth pastor, God speaking to a heart about giving $5,000 to missions one year. Never forget it. I was like, God, are you sure? Are you certain? I think at that time I made $27,000 a year. God, are you sure? I was at a youth conference. I left the conference, went out in my van, the church van, and I got in there for an hour going, God, are you somebody, you talking about wrestling with giving to church? Oh, dude, I'm telling you, man, I'm tied as bark on a tree. I'm going to hang on to every dollar I got, just like you. And I knew, and I went and told Tammy, and I said, this is what I feel like. And she said, this is what the Lord spoke to me too. And that year we did that for Speed of Light. And I don't say that braggingly. I'm just simply saying to you, never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Whatever measure that you get, that's a measure that you'll receive. If you're struggling today, and you, 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 if you are struggling today, I would encourage you, look at what God's word says about how to structure your finances and how to put him first. And when you do, you can stand on this word. And when the bills come due, you can put them right next to the Bible and you can pull these scriptures out. Proverbs eleven twenty five: a generous person is going to prosper. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and shall be given to you. Press down, give it, shaken together and running over, shall men give unto you. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will reap. I mean, it's just God's word. It's a principle of seed time and harvest. So why am I excited giver? Because I realize that I serve someone that I will never be able to outgive. God will never ask me to move, give him my time, my talent, my treasure of myself, that he will not reward every single thing in my life. I'm just telling you. I moved to Wisconsin. There were 100 people in this church. And I knew God said, I'm going to do something great here, and I'm simply asking you to be a part. And I had questions, but I knew this, the peace of God that passed all understanding that God was going to do that. And I said, but God, this is what you, I've, I've had in my heart since I was in Bible college, and I've decided, and I've desired to do this. And, and, and for 10 years, Tammy and I would give to church plants, because we knew that's what God wanted us to do, was to pioneer a church. And I sit back today, eight years later, and I go, wow. God, you did know what you were doing. You wanted to bless me. You want to bless me with a family. You want to bless me with everything that I've ever dreamt of. See, you don't realize it, but you're, this is my, I'm LTD baby every day, living the dream. Getting to speak to you, getting to do life with you, getting to live life in Germantown, Wisconsin. This is my dream. I'm not trying to click my heels and go someplace else. This is it. This is stinking amazing. And I get to see God work in hearts and lives of people. And I get to see what God changed families and marriages and things. And I just see what God's doing. And I just go, God, you, 
you're good, and your mercies endures forever. And, it, and a want to giver, they get that. Why do they get that? Because they've trusted God, and God's come through time and time again. The, the next reason is to be an example, just to be an encouragement. And what I mean by that, I don't mean that haughty. I mean, I want to be example for my kids. My parents taught me this. I didn't learn this from a pastor, although I heard my pastor talk about it. I learned this lived out in the principles of a guy and a, and a, a lady who loved God. Never preached a sermon, but taught me how to live life and how to love God. I want to do that for my kids. I want to connect with our students. I want to do that for a world that says, no, you got to have, and you got to be greedy, and you got to take this, and, and it's all about you, and you better take care of yourself, and you better be king of the hill, and you better be king of the mountain. I want to go, no, there's another way to live. There's a life to live. There is something far beyond what money can buy and what things this world have to offer. There is something that will change your life and give you peace to sleep at night and joy during the daytime. I want us as a congregation to be an example to other churches. Do you know that you are an encouragement and example to other churches? Because of your generosity. I said that from the very beginning, but that's why Paul was talking to the church in Corinth about the church in Macedonia. Because of their generosity. It was noised abroad. 2 Corinthians 8, 24 says, Therefore show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that churches can see it. I believe, Life Church, what you're doing, what you're a part of, your giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure, I believe it's going to spur other people on to do good works and other churches, but I think it's going to be an example to a lot of churches that God's going to bring up. You realize that, don't you? There are going to be a lot of new churches in Milwaukee. The next 10, 20, 10 to 15 years, God's going to bring a lot of church planters. He's going to bring a lot of people that are going to come into this city, into this area. There are 8 million people in this state. There's a lot of harvest. God's going to do that. And he's going to use churches just like this to go, hey, this can happen. This can do it. This is it. The last thing is uh, giving is an investment in eternity. That's why I want to be a want to giver. Giving is an investment in eternity. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 through 19. Paul says to Timothy, command them to do good. He's speaking to the church. And, and to, to be rich in good deeds. To be generous and willing to share. And in this, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Whatever you, whatever you do by your actions, with your time, how you leverage that for eternity, whatever you do with your talent, your gift mix, whatever you do with your finances, whatever you do just with your kindness, your compassion for people. Again, it's not about an amount. It's about an attitude. Whatever you do, the Bible says that every time you do that, you lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. I say this all the time. If you attend Life Church regularly, you will never stand before God and grab me by lapels and go, first of all, you won't grab me by lapels so I don't wear a jacket, but you won't grab me by lapels and say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you push me? Why didn't you talk to me about missions and about world evangelization and, and, and what the Bible says about this? Why, 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 why? Because I think there's a lot of pastors on that day that their congregations are going to find them and do that. No, you'll say one thing to me. Thank you for an opportunity to be a part of. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food, but I'm just telling you that's what his word says.